everybody. Uh, welcome to another edition of Les Bros Do a Podcast, uh, where we, in fact, do a podcast. Really? Is, is that what you mean? When we, when yes, we today we are, in fact, doing a podcast. Wow, what, what a shock. Christina and I talk about really whatever the hell we're thinking about talking about. Uh, and we have a good time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Sean. As always, I'm here to host. And I'm with my wonderful partner here, Christina. Sean, did you know that Canada consumes more mac and cheese than any other nation in the world? I do love me some mac and cheese. Are I you in Canada? Love... Maybe I have a Canadian soul. <laughs> like Your ancestors are secretly from Canada. Deep within me, my uh, I have a, uh, a very Canadian soul inside that just... No, wants to get out. You're mean. <laughs> hey, did you know that Canada is uh, you're three times less likely to be brutalized by police in Canada? I mean, it still happens. It happens more than almost any other country, but it's better than us. Hey, uh, I will uh, give them that. Yeah, which is why it's really funny that like you know Canada's also protesting a lot of these things, and they're actually a lot of their own because <laughs> like oh yeah, we suck too. Uh, yeah, Canada tangent. Uh, yeah. As always on our podcast here, we uh, we talk about a little bit of things we like to uh, go through. But if anybody uh, watching this on the Twitch stream has a, a has a question or anything, it. pop it in the chat. I will try to see it. You we may get to it. it. We yeah. may not. It's you know it just kind of depends where we are in the flow of conversation. We aren't going to stop conversations to read a, a comment uh, as often, but we'll we'll do what we can uh, and get things going. We'll, we'll try our best. To we always love it. people coming in and talking and and. and and uh, being active in it, uh, uh, but we uh, we like to start with what media are we forcing into our bodies? Why do you always got to make get it those delicious, so violent, delicious nutrients? We are not just watching or reading or playing something. No, we are violently consuming media. Yeah. We're Americans. We do everything violent, Christine. You know, I feel like you and I enjoy media very differently, Sean. Just punching it down your throat. Oh, gosh. Eat it! <laughs> ah! So, Christina, what media have you been consuming this week? Oh, I start first. Okay, um, so I finished Avatar, re-watching Avatar The Last Airbender, and you know what? It came out when I was a kid, and I don't think I ever watched every single episode. Like, I think this is the first time I've ever sat down and just watched it all the way through. I never sat down and watched it beginning to end. Yeah, I don't I've, think I had either. I've, um... Uh, and you know, I don't think I had ever seen the final episode either. I have seen so, the finale, but I'm missing a lot of the lead up episodes. Yeah. Like I, I didn't watch it a ton, like in serialization on Nick. Like you know, it was right. I, I'd watch it occasionally when it was on. Yeah. Uh, but when Netflix was first launching their uh, uh, Netflix, what did they call the original Netflix? When the, when it went, you could stream it and you could watch right. on there. When the first time they did that, uh, it was uh, that was one of the shows that was on it that I watched a little bit of. But it was like kind of like I never really watched an episode. I was falling asleep and I just right. skip it, skip around and things like that. So yeah, I, I have never watched it beginning to end. I think I've seen the vast majority, but I know there are episodes I haven't seen. Right. But it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah, it's a really good show. Um, yeah, I just I like the characters and I like just it's goofy, it's fun, it's enjoyable for both kids and adults. Um, I'm rewatching the first three seasons of One Day at a Time. And I specified the first three because the fourth is on Pop TV, which is really cool. They got renewed. Yeah. Well, okay. So you can get the app, but they don't have an option to where you can like stream it unless you have cable. 
And so I'm so mad about it because you can watch the first episode, but you can't watch any of the others unless you have cable and then you can like, you know, watch pop TV. And I'm like, I don't use cable, so I have no way to watch season four. So I'm rewatching the first three episodes or three seasons um, of One Day at a Time, which is, have you seen that show? I've watched the pilot. Okay. So I've seen the beginning. Fantastic show. I think I'm, I'm sure it does. It didn't really grab me too much, but also, it, like a lot of shows like that, I have to be in a certain mood to really want to do it. So like, it wasn't that I was like, oh, this isn't particularly good. It was more like, oh, you know, I just I'm not into That's this sort right. of thing. Like I saw it and I like immediately felt seen by Elena. Oh yeah. As later on, like in the first season, she does come out as gay, but I, you know, like she's not. They don't show her as gay in the first episode, and like immediately upon like hearing her talk and the way she spoke, and I was like, you know what, I relate to this character. Seems a little bit queer, probably not going to be. And then she was, which was fantastic. Um, so I just, I really relate relate to Elena sometimes. Um, a lot of times. It's just, I you love You really relate to the gay character? I know, what a shock. I know. This is anyway, she's very nerdy and just like, really, she's awkward and just, you should see the episode where she flirts with her partner. She is a non-binary partner. Um, so you see scene. Yeah. You're very seen. <laughs> well, yeah, but I watched this way before this. You're but very yeah. seen, aren't you? Oh, yes. In this moment, yes. Are you the actor? I, yeah, I am, Elena. You're... No, I'm, I'm white. Um, this is about a Latina family, or no, a, a Latinx family. Again, Christina, but, white culture, we take all of it. You know, yeah. We can be whatever we uh, want. Appropriation. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, but, yeah. There are two ways that I could get a lot of hate on the internet for just that me making fun on that. So yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on. Also, I'm all caught up on Harley Quinn, which amazing. I don't think I talked about Harley Quinn last day because I wasn't caught. It. Okay, so you can tell when Christina's excited because she starts just rattling words off as fast as possible, and she's like, "Oh, I love that! I love, 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 love Sorry, I will. You're fine. Try to slow down. Um, it's not gonna work. Okay, so in the second to last episode, uh, it's like Ivy's bachelorette party, and they go to Themyscira, and um, it's like Do since you Wonder Woman's gone. Want a bachelor gone, party in Themyscira? I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Um, because Wonder Woman's gone because the Justice League disappeared at the end of season one because they got taken by the Queen of Fables, and um, Happens. well, they get drunk twice, and Ivy and Harley sleep together. And then, and then I'm just gonna like full spoilers. If you're not caught up, I'm so. Would sorry. you recommend sleeping with somebody before you're getting married? Like someone who's not the person you're getting married to? No, I would not recommend that. That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> you should only be sleeping with the person you're getting married to, unless that's something you and your partner agree to beforehand. If that's something you guys agree to, then good for you. But otherwise, so you shouldn't sleep with the women at your bachelorette party. No. I would advise against that. Um, but, you know, that's just me. I'm old-fashioned. Um, I don't bang my own bridesmaids. Yeah, I don't bang my maid of honor. Um, but, yeah, so, like, at the that's end of the... some new maid of honor duties. Like, that is... <laughs> yes. I want you to be my maid of honor, but... Uh, with that responsibly comes with, uh, we have to have sex together. We have to have sex together. Ooh, well, um, I take this responsibility uh, with a high level, but uh, pass. Pass. Um, yeah. Would not be down for that. Um, yeah, they sleep together twice, and after the second time, Harley is like, 
Ivy, can't you just see us spending our lives like this, going around, sleeping together, having fun, saving natural resources, murdering people? And she's like, just think about it. So then they get home, they're getting off the invisible jet, and Ivy turns to Harley and she's like, um, you, Harley, you constantly run from one thing to the next, and I just don't want that next thing to be me. I trust you with my life, but I don't trust you with my heart. Which, it's a very logical, like, worry, but it still broke my heart. So then, the next episode, Ivy isn't in it. Because Harley's like, Ivy's right. I'm always creating these messes and running away, and I need to be able to solve them. And I created this mess with Dr. Psycho, so I need to solve it. So her solution... Okay, so at the end of season one, um, the Joker explodes in a, a vat of acid. Me too. I also you know, exploded in the vat so of acid he, at he the returns, end of season one. Yes. So he returns to normal... <coughs> Basically, he returns to normal, and, like, he kind of, he has some, like, dreams. Whenever he sees Harley, he has dreams, like, of, like, his past life as the Joker, but he's no longer bleached skin. He's, like, got a normal life. He's got a girlfriend. He's got stepchildren, uh, kind of. He's not married, so they're not really stepchildren, but essentially. Um, so she's like, to fix my mess, I need the Justice League back. And the only one, the new and improved Joker vaguely remembers in a dream that he, like, trapped them in the... Queen of Fables book, and only the Joker knows where the book is. So to fix my mess, I'm going to bring the Joker back! And she shoves him into the vat of acid to bring the Joker back. And I'm like, Harley! <laughs> She's like, Ivy's right, I'm always creating messes, so I need to fix it. Let me re reintroduce the Joker to the world. Then you have a whole new problem. <laughs> you know, whenever I have a problem, I just throw a Molotov cocktail, and boom! Suddenly, I have a new problem. <laughs> the Harley Quinn life. Yep. Harley Quinn method. I don't think it's going to work. Probably not. So I'm excited to see where it goes next. I love it. Yeah, um, it seems to be like they are uh, trying new things, but also staying true to the characters. Yeah. It seems they, they, that seems very in, are very in Harley Quinn. I know there's an old animated Batman uh, episode of the animated series uh, where the Joker catches... Oh, no, Harley Quinn catches Batman for the Joker. And the Joker releases him because he's like, I didn't catch him. I would know who Batman is. I need to be the one who does it. And so that feels very in Oh, yeah. In, in season one, there's a part where, um, like, he's beating up Batman. And Scarecrow comes up and unmasks him. And he's like, why would you do that? That takes away all the fun of it. And then one of the best lines said by the Joker that entire season. He, like, realizes it's Bruce. And he looks to Bruce and he goes, last year, Wayne Enterprises promised us flying cars. I put down a uh, down payment. Where's my car, Bruce? <laughs> it adds a whole new element when uh, the villains know the secret identity. <laughs> yeah. And honestly... And he was very like, sad about there's it. Some, there's some villains that are like, oh, I'm just going to be always taunting it. The Joker or... You know, there's maybe one or two Batman villains, but definitely the Joker is one that would be like, I would know that and I would love to know that. And then I'm just going to keep it to myself and torture Batman. Oh, yeah. He was like, now I know who it is that takes all the fun out of it. That seems very in character, so I like that. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah. So, we didn't consume a lot of media this week. Uh, I continued, as I update every week on, have I platinumed Final Fantasy VII Remake yet? The answer is still no, but I'm close. Close. I need two trophies to get the platinum. I have to beat the Pride and Glory Summon, which is a battle of all the summons in a row, and then finishing off with Pride and Glory. And I have to finish Chapter 18 in Hard Mode. Okay. Once I do that, I've done it. You're so almost there. 
I know. Almost. And I'm super excited. Uh, I still really love this game. And I think in the current climate that we have of the world, and while this game was not predicting it, there are a lot of great quotes that come from characters oh, gosh, that, yeah. apply to, that could easily apply to any situation we've dealt with uh, or haven't 100% dealt with in this country. Um, and so I, it's still a great game. If you haven't played Final Fantasy VII Remake, either play it or, you know what, watch our playthrough over yeah, on Lesbos Yeah, watch Gaming. our playthrough. You can watch me um, geek out about a bunch of girls. There are several scenes where Christina just dies. Yeah. Dies and goes to gay heaven, unfortunately. The first episode, there's a character comes on screen, and you just hear this, like, little gasp in the microphone, and I was like, oh, I'm certain that's me. Like, there's no way that was Sean here, and he knew it was coming, and it's just, this, like, a girl appears, and I just go, like, you just hear a little gasp in the background. <laughs> oh. It's Mason okay. is, oh, that must mean Mason finally got the DC streaming service. Um, we're done talking about Harley Quinn, so he can come back soon. Hopefully he'll realize he can. But that means he finally got the DC streaming service, and now he can talk to me about the Harley Quinn show. Boy needs to catch up. You know, in terms of things, here, here's an interesting subset before I talk about my, my one media consumed, and uh, we have such Yeah, that. we both consumed it. Spoilers. There are some things that's like, oh, I never want to be spoiled, or it ruins, oh, yeah. ruins things like that. And there are definitely things, and I think... The way that we market films leads to you don't get as much of surprises. And I do right. like surprises in a lot of things. But. There are some things where it's like, if you want me to be interested in this, you got to tell me nothing, more than what you I'm going to say nothing that, uh, nothing that, uh, that you said there would change me from watching the show or make me think, oh, that's a big twist. Right. Especially because in the comics, like Carly and Ivy, they, oh, yeah. they're a thing. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah, so none of that's like, oh, it's a twist that I'm like, oh, if I didn't know that going in, I would be, you know. There, there are definitely twists that it's like, and there are definitely shows where it's like, man, I, or, or things that's like, man, I'm glad I didn't know that going in, or I wish I didn't know that going in. Like, for uh, for example, going into um, uh, going into a lot of the recent, uh, as, as best as you can clear your mind of a lot of the recent Avengers movies, actually works really well. You're like, oh, wow, if I had had that moment spoiled for me, that would have kind of sucked. Right. Uh you know, and things like that. But it's like, and there's also other movies that has gone along it. But you know, think of think of one of the bigger movies that had like what was supposed to be a huge twist early in the movie, and that's Terminator Two. Anybody who hasn't seen Terminator Two, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're really like two but decades late. <laughs> Arnold is the good guy in this one, mm -hmm. and the twist obviously is for a lot of the movie you don't know whether Arnold is the good or the bad guy, unless you watched any marketing material leading into it, where it was like he's back. Not. This time to help them. Like, help. that was the marketing material. It's like, did you even watch the movie? The first 30 minutes, you don't know if he's good <laughs> or bad, and you're not sure. Uh, yeah, I did not see any of the marketing material because it was before my time. Oh, yeah. So I think I watched Terminator and Terminator 2 probably on the same day in my, like, early pre-teens, pre maybe. So, yeah. <laughs> So I was completely unspoiled on that. But yeah, that, that's one of those uh, that's like some spoilers and some things, it's great to go into a movie and not know things. Right. Other ones uh, and other things, if I'm just telling you details about during a movie, it's not a spoiler. That's right. not a spoiler. We've, we've kind of gotten this weird distinction of what, oh my gosh, I had everything on there. But spoilers are bad. I was talking uh, to someone and I was like, did I, you hear who they got to play this character? And they were like, don't tell me spoilers. And I was like... 
It's an actor. Yeah. Like, Some people are crazy about it and things like that. And I'm like, you do know how much marketing material ruins movies in a lot of ways. Right. Like, uh, Die Hard 4. My dad won't watch trailers because he doesn't want to get spoiled. And he's like, if he is really good at watching a trailer and being able to tell you exactly what happens oh, at yeah. the end. And like... Because a lot of them give them away, and like even if they don't, he's just really good at it. He could tell you, he'll watch a trailer, and he could tell you exactly what happens in the end. So he doesn't like to watch a lot of trailers, especially if it's a movie he's looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Like he will like hear the, about the plot and like just vaguely, and then he won't watch trailers for it. See, I love other trailers, than like so teaser I, trailers. Trailers are one of my passions. I love trailers and watching them. So like there, but like I was saying, Die Hard Four when it came out, there's a shot in the trailer. Uh, where a car, I think it's a car, he's either jumping at a helicopter or a plane, like he's, it's doing all that. We don't see that for most of the movie. You're like, wait, I remember this shot in the trailer and it's near the end of the movie. Like it's a big thing in the movie. And it's like, oh, that, that shot would have been a lot cooler if I hadn't seen it in the trailer. There's a lot of action movies that do that. And you're like, oh, I know this scene is coming up because I've seen it in the trailer. Right. Uh, and things like that. Uh, I think movies that don't, that take most of their trailer footage from the first act that's where the best trailers come from in a lot of times because you aren't revealing a lot of the big twists and things like that. True. Uh, which, up until uh, a lot of the uh, uh, TV spots, Avengers Endgame only pulled stuff from the first act. Right. Then a lot of the TV spots pulled, pulled the third act stuff left and right. They're like, in th- in one week, go see Avengers Endgame or tickets are on sale. Here's what's happening in the end. I'm like, why? That's <laughs> why so I don't watch TV. Why? <laughs> uh, but... My favorite trailers a lot of times are very simple trailers. Yeah. Uh, my two favorite trailers of all time are the original teaser for The Dark Knight. Uh, and it's literally just the, it was just the bat symbol. Uh, and it just had the first time you ever saw, uh, heard Heath Ledger's voice. But you have just some talking. It's the Michael Caine line saying, some men can't be bought. You know, that, that whole that spiel. And then the ends and it says, uh, I don't remember if he said, oh, let's put a smile on that face. And then you got a quick glimpse of the Joker and then it cut. And it left. And it ended. It's so good. It's short. It's a fantastic. My other favorite trailer is for The Social Network with Jesse Eisenberg uh, about about Facebook. Right. Um, and that was literally, it was bunches of faces. And it was just like profile pictures and things like that. And it just slowly like coming together. It was just little dialogue bits from the movie. Uh, people, things like that. And it's an it, it, intense movie about nothing intense. Like, <laughs> if you haven't watched The Social Network, watch it. It's one of the most one of the better crafted movies I've ever watched about basically nothing, <laughs> uh, but it's slowly, slowly, and all the images get closer, and then it, it, it's it's Jesse Eisenberg's face as Mark Zuckerberg as all the images make into it, and it goes to it. It's one of the most effective movie teasers I've ever watched. I'm like, oh, I know what the movie's about now. I don't need to see anything else. Done. <laughs> like it sold me. And I think simple trailers. Unfortunately, we have to make trailers for the dumbest of the population that are just like, if I don't see. Something, something happening. I'm not interested. Um, when the Invisible Man trailer came out, Shauna and I talked about that trailer for a long time. We didn't because, want to see the movie. Yeah, we did not because it. it um, I still haven't seen the movie, but Watch I think it. you said that it, it actually didn't pull as much from the third act as it would appear. But I still. There's. I two, wish the there's trailer, two twists after the twist we thought was coming. Okay, that's good to know. But I still. I wish the trailer would have shown me 
something like a different narrative mm-hmm. and i just i wish the trailer because okay so the whole point is you see all these characters being like oh you're crazy and the whole point of it like you are gonna you're going to assume at least i assume that nobody's gonna believe her that this man is actually invisible mm-hmm. right so i think it would have been really cool had they like done the trailer and they laid it out like is she actually crazy it's is the invisible man mm-hmm. really an invisible man or has she gone crazy because her abusive boyfriend killed him her mm-hmm. himself and that and, is that and, is the movie they laid the trailer out like that i would have been down in a and that's heartbeat. the movie and that's the thing the thing is with and i wish a they lot of trailer editors like, like in in the trailer they like made it out it was like yeah obviously the, the invisible man is really an invisible man had they laid the trailer out too so it's like is mm-hmm. she actually crazy i would have loved that well, i would have been so down to watch here's the thing movie. and this is the disconnect and this is something that so i don't mind blame ever the blame the filmmakers for a trailer right rarely it's very rare that the director is sitting down with and going through with the trailer. Usually what happens is they will send some footage, whatever footage they want to, to a trailer and say, cut a trailer out of this footage. And the person cuts the trailer. Rarely has the editor seen the trailer, seen the movie, sorry. Rarely has the editor actually seen the movie. They just are got a bunch of footage they don't know and they're trying to edit it together in a way that makes a good trailer. Now, it's not always true, but a lot of times that is. So, it's kind of just the way we make trailers and the way it is Fair. because marketing is so important to the movie business. Yeah, I get that, that but like, even, ha- even not having seen the movie, if I had any editing skill, just taking the footage we have from the trailers, I would totally re-edit. I don't know how to do I agree. that. I agree. Otherwise, I would have like made like a fan edit so it looks like, you know, she's going crazy instead of, you know, the Invisible Man is real. Mm-hmm. Because I think, even not seeing the movie, I feel like... You know, this is what I would have done with the trailer. I feel like anyone, any trailer editor who was like, here's all this footage I have, well, here's a good idea. Like, I feel like that would have been... I also wouldn't have named it The Invisible Man, but that's also my thing. But also, they tried that when they made the Kevin Bacon Invisible Man movie. They called it Hollow Man. (laughs) And and so, like, you know, to be like... I've read The Invisible Man. I've watched The Wishbone of The Invisible Man. I've watched other... I've watched and read... Lots of interpretations of the Invisible Man. So I know the story. So the moment they say the Invisible Man, I'm like, okay, I do know the story that's coming, basically. Even though this is a, a take on it. A very, very good take, which I'll say here. If you haven't seen Invisible Man, invisible it's available man. right now. I don't think, I think it's still, it's for rendered. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can rent it or if it's still for buy, but it's worth it. It is one of the better, more intense horror adaptations I've seen. Uh, and it really works, despite the fact that it had a god awful trailer. I really, I just want to learn how to like edit videos, just so that way I can re-edit that trailer. Like the trailer stops me from watching that movie. Had the trailer just been different, I would have been so down for the movie because mm-hmm. I know the vaguest of concepts of the Invisible Man. Like I just know the vague concept. Mm-hmm. I don't really know much else about him, but like it's it's an interesting concept, and I would be so down to watch the modern interpretation of it. And I just wish the trailer had been laid out differently. Like, Hopefully we can have a so conversation on a future podcast where we can sit down and talk when Christina watches his Invisible Man. I will try to watch Because it I would week. love to discuss that one on... Because that is, it, the, the, the topics it brings up and the things that it discusses are really well done. Okay, I will try to watch um, it this week and we'll and see if next week the, we The woman who directed it. Invisible Man has been asked to do a couple of other different ones in, in, the, in, the, in, in the kind of remakes, kind of these classic... Uh, horror monsters and things like that. Because as you know, Universal has all the horror monsters on right. one roof, and they tried to make the Dark Universe, and then they made <laughs> Tom Cruise's well. The Money Mummy. Uh, didn't go very well. And of course, they, they, there's that picture. It was going around the internet recently again. They took that, that. There's that picture that had all the actors that they had set up because Tom Cruise is in The Mummy. 
I'm blanking on the woman who plays the mummy, and I'm sad that because she's she's actually a decent actress. She's not good in this mo- the movie particularly, but it's not her fault. She's just told there to walk around naked basically, and you too. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but uh, but they had Russell Crowe as uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. They had Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man, and I don't remember who the other one they had. But anyway, they had this dark universe set up that was going to be their new cinematic universe. Uh, and of course, they brought out the Mummy, and people hated it. Cause guess what? It's not particularly good. I don't think it's the worst thing that's come out. Honestly, there are a lot of elements in it that I'm like, wow, if they would have really worked on that, this movie could have been good. Like, if that was their focus, this movie would have been good. But their focus is way too all over the place. And they're like, must build as much universe as we can in one movie. So here's Tom Cruise fighting Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde while the mummy's off there for about 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, It's a mess. But from those ashes, the Invisible Man had already been greenlit. But they had to scrap all of it because it was the Dark Universe, and they ended up giving it to a director, and she went and or he went, and his uh, his cinematographer and all of them worked on making another films uh, from that, and they created this Invisible Man. It's really good. Watch it. Okay. And then the the director of because uh, I'm already there. It's a guy who directed Invisible Man, but it's um, the woman who directed Jennifer's Body is directing the next one. That's what it is. Okay. So it's the I next like one that movie. That was, yeah. So that's where, that's where my confusion of. Director, I was like, I said something, I was like, that doesn't seem correct, so I had to correct myself. But, so that, eh, well, I don't think they're going to connect together and be a universe. There are going to be interesting new retellings with more of a modern take on some of these monsters, which I think is a really good idea. A modern take on Frankenstein could be really interesting. Oh, for sure. A modern take on the Wolfman could be very interesting. The Mummy, we could just, you know, maybe not reboot again, maybe, you know stop with it or just make it fun again make, make it fun again hashtag make the mummy fun again the, yeah that's fair <laughs> that's um, our I haven't watched any hey, of the mummy our last hashtags too. worked we got yeah. we got good we got Sean muppets, got muppets. Again, so hashtag make the mummy fun again make the mummy fun again <laughs> um but i uh i definitely like the idea of uh creating this new universe and so i would love to for you to sit down and watch the invisible man because i'd love to talk to you more about it without spoiling the last <laughs> little bit in it because okay. there are yeah the trailer gives up most of it but and, and that's where a lot of the movie but those last little bits because they really make you think at the end you're like oh uh sean expects me to have oh. a brain okay. i'll give you the brain cell don't worry okay thank you uh but yeah so that's Okay, My little tangent on trailers and telling you about... Uh, all right, the I'll, I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah, the trailer does make it, like, it's... <laughs> I just hate that trailer. Horror movie trailers a lot of the time are bad. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Because they're cut in a certain way to try to get a certain audience. Yeah. Uh, and because of the way The Invisible Man was cut, the trailer, I thought it was a PG-13 horror movie. Oh, yeah, cut, I did too. It's and cut it's, like yeah. a PG-13 horror movie. The trailer is, and it... it it's it, rated R. It's rated R. Which helps it a lot, I'll yeah. tell you. Uh, I, I for sure thought it was going to be a PG-13 horror movie. Yeah, so, because uh, they got it. It depends which audience they're trying to draw in as well. Right. New. Uh, also, we need to bring back the voice. The guy talking over the trailers. We need a, a, a trailer guy to a talk A voiceover, more. yeah. yeah. All, all we do need a voiceover. <laughs> can, can, do you have a good voiceover voice, Sean? No, not particularly. I, uh, I think I, I can do I have an ugly voice, so, you know, it's hard. <laughs> in a world, kind of. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> In a world, it's just Arnold Schwarzenegger. In a world, in a world where Sean has the brain cell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad so, world. 
You know, we should just let let me do voiceover trailers in my demon voice, and then nobody will no, go watch a movie ever no, again. Christina, you will be banned from <laughs> ever using your demon voice ever again. We won't have to worry about the movie theater industry dying out because movies will just die out completely if I start voicing them so, in my demon voice. <laughs> I, as I said, my my media was Final Fantasy, but outside right. of that, yeah. I read a comic this week. Yes. Uh, also read the comic. Christina also read the comic, and we're going to discuss a comic from 2018. <laughs> oh, that's what it was from? Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, cool. we're going to discuss a comic from two years ago because we found it. Yeah. Um, uh, and my, we enjoyed it. I was listening to a podcast, uh, the talk show pod, or the top cast pod show uh, from TFS, uh, Team Four Star, and they were talking about villains being evil for villain's sake. And one of them brought up Thanos. And the specific Thanos annual number one. And I was like, that sounds like an interesting comic. I want to read it. And then I brought it up to Christina. And Christina's like, I want to read it. And we happened to find it on Amazon for $9. So guess what? We bought the Thanos annual number one. Uh, And we read it. This might be the most fun I've had reading a comic in a long time. (laughs) And I'm not even going to say, like, you know, there are comics that really make you, like, think or make you want to be like, wow, I want to get in the mind of the villain. And this one is, I think, with that idea, I'm going to get in the mind of the villain. But the villain's mind is just, I'm going to do evil for shits and giggles. I have never, while reading a comic, I've never been this interested in the villain. Like, yeah. most of the time, you know, I'm, I, okay, so, kind of moral, I've been called a moral compass before, so obviously I side with the heroes a lot. Yeah. Um, and, like, especially because if I'm buying a comic, I'm normally buying a specific character. I'm not just going to go out and buy a random comic. I'm looking for a character like, you know, Supergirl, Spider-Gwen, Black Widow. Like, I'm looking for a specific character. So I tend to be on if that If you didn't side. notice, those were all women. Christina yeah. likes to read about women. Yeah, what a shock. Um, so this is a very interesting thing for me, and I love seeing it. And, like, I just, I wish, honestly, I wish we had gotten more of this kind of Thanos in Infinity War and Endgame. Because this Thanos, he just, he did it for the sake of it. There's only one thing that he really did for any, like, more than just a reason of having fun and to see what happens next. And that was, he was trying to woo death, of course. And I knew he, he courted death in the comics, um, and I hadn't read it before. And he just is blowing but, up planets yeah, to make art. <laughs> it's po- poetic, not just any planets, poetic planets. Like, yeah. the musical planet where every cell is a different play. Um, the planet where um, the like uh, love stories and poems are written on the leaves, and like he blows up these planets of poetry to show his sense of poetry to death. Um, the the thing that I really liked uh, about Thanos is I, I do like I love Thanos in Infinity War and Endgame. I think it's it like any villain. It does get annoying when someone watches a movie with a, that has the villain because Infinity War is a Thanos movie. Yeah, it is a Tha- it is Thanos's origin story in a lot of ways. Yes. It is his first movie. Uh, the Avengers just happen to be there. Uh, yeah. But I always get annoyed when there's ever a villain story and people start being like, you know, that person's right. And yeah. people are like, you know what? Thanos was right. No! No. He's not right. The whole right. point was that he was wrong. And Which is why was... I think they really doubled in in-game in a lot of stuff. And you, you see this all the time. And a lot of times creators, and they're like, you're kidding me? Like, for example, uh, Breaking Bad, when the show was running, the amount of people that were like, you know what? I really, I, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm liking Walter White. I understand him. And the creator's going like, he's the bad guy. And so, like, he set out in the final season. He's like, I have to make sure everybody knows 
Walter White is the bad guy, because clearly something got missed here in the first four seasons. Like, <laughs> clearly something's missed. There may be badder guys, but he is a bad guy. Like, uh, and so you saw a lot of, because if, if, as someone who watched a lot of Breaking Bad live, uh, after season three at least, uh, uh, live, and watched it while on Twitter and things like that, and conversing with people, there's a lot of hate for the kind... Uh, nobody's particularly great in that show. Like, everyone has... There's a lot of moral, moral ambiguity into a lot of it. Right. But probably the most moral person got the most hate because she's annoying. Happens. And she got hate for, you know, sleeping with her boss. But hey, you know, Walter killed a bunch of people, and he, you know, I think that's a good guy. I thought like, he just did meth. I've never watched he Breaking Bad. Sells meth. Well, close it's enough. It's a crime business. Okay. It's good. You should you watch Breaking Bad. You had something to do with meth. <laughs> no gay people, so I'm sorry. It, Damn. Yeah, you, you may, um, your interest may be gone now. <laughs> no longer interested. But the problem is, we see a lot of people empathizing with uh, characters, and that's why, as I said, this comic. Uh, nobody can read this comic and say. I think Thanos is a good guy. No. If you do, you are probably a sociopath. Get help now. Yeah. He's literally just chaos for chaos sake. Like, there's it's legit... not even chaos. No, not even chaos. Yeah. Because he's, he's not the Joker. He's, he's, he's evil for yeah. evil's sake. Like, he goes... There's one part in the comic. And it, if, you know, if you haven't read a comic annual, a comic annual is just a bunch of st- short stories about one specific character. Like The, the thing about this comic is it opens up yes, and it's, it's, narrated it's by Ghost Rider has gone finally to the afterlife. He's yes. like, I've died so many times, but this time it's stuck. And he is basically telling stories about Thanos to somebody. We do find out in the end of the comic. Yes. But he's telling He's telling. He's about narrating Thanos. it all. Yeah. Um, my favorite story in it, though, was um, this, like, planet. There's this guy talking on this planet, and he's talking about their god. And, like, they were on first names basis with their god, and their god promised them that if they were kind to each other and they helped each other when they died they would get reborn mm-hmm. and they did and they always did but if they were not kind and they got corrupted then their soul would be uh, taken and they would be studied and then um th- later when they got corrected and fixed they would be reborn again and it was this actual immortal being who was like basically like taking a computer program of their souls and like putting it in there and then putting them in a new body, and then if they got corrupt, he would, like, study them and repair them and then put them in a new body. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about the god, and then they're like, thanks to the, kind uh, of this preaching. god. Like, yes, he's, he's like, preaching. He's yeah. preaching, yeah. He goes, thanks to our god, there is no end. And then Thanos just goes, was. There was no end. And they, like, they knew who Thanos was, and they're like, what did you do? And he goes, well, it was a pretty neat thing your creator had going on. Um, so I decided I wanted to see if you guys would still be good if there was no reason to. So I killed him. And I destroyed your program. His corpse and the corpse of the program is over there if you want to go check it out. (laughs) And he's like, I just wanted to do it to see if you would still be good. I just wanted to see. And, yeah, he's just, he's just evil for evil's sake. Like, he has no real reason for doing anything. Like, and I just, it is so interesting to see. Mm-hmm. I do, I do like that one a lot because that just add, it also then adds, uh, for somebody, if you have somebody who's very religious, if you actually can prove that whatever they're doing to get in the afterlife isn't working, are they going to do good things or are they going to do bad things? There's actually an element of that that's very yeah, interesting. It, it is an interesting point. Like, uh, you know, they know now, now that Thanos isn't no truly doing it for that. He's just no, doing it to, you he's know. He's just doing it to be a dick. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's a good little one. My favorite one in it is there's a story where Thanos, uh, because he has, the, the, he has the Infinity Gauntlet, 
and uh, obviously has the, the time stone yes. in it. And he decides to he use the time use stone. Different potentials. Yeah. And so he uses the stone to go back in time to. Uh, Before you go and tell the story, I want to just. The, the way Ghost Rider narrates this is he's like, this is truly the worst one that there is. And thus, it can only be named one thing. Thanos helps an old lady cross the street. And that's what he does. <laughs> he goes back in time to help a lady cross the street. Because he saw the future, and this timeline of it is this lady, because she walked across the street at a, a way, a bus had to stop. When Thanos helped her, a bus had to stop and it delayed the bus. But before that, it didn't. It went through and a lady on there, a person on the bus, was destined to basically be the savior of the universe in a lot of ways. Cured diseases, cured inequality, cured um, fixed hungry, like there were no more hungry people in the world. Like she solved a lot of society's biggest problems. And so... By doing that, she did not fulfill her destiny. No. But they, you know, it's not not just Thanos is not just going to be okay to do that. He then has to visit her on her deathbed and be like, "Hey, this is what you could have yeah. been." He showed her what her destiny was at her deathbed, and she dies seconds after seeing what she was supposed to do and never accomplished. Yeah, yeah. It's so twisted. It's so twisted that I'm like, nobody, and I like it now, and and I used to like villains that were more relatable, and I still do, but nobody can, can win a good mind, say, you know what, what Thanos did there was right. And if they do say that, they're a sociopath, probably. I don't want to relate to the villain. Like, I, I don't... I don't mind. Well, here's the thing. I've always thought that a lot of villains are relatable... But they make the wrong decision. And that's yeah. always kind of my thought process. Why, why uh, Killmonger in the Black Panther movie yeah. is so good is because, yes. honestly, he has a reason to be angry and yeah. mad and upset will, yeah. and all of those things. But his decision making is what's wrong. True. And, it, it, and it's one of those that, uh, things. But the, the thing is, the movie's not saying, hey, Killmonger is right. No. And people are like, you know, I, yes, he, he has the right message. Unfortunately, he has the wrong action. And that is an okay thing that I love, but the problem is then people ignore the actions. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm tired of, like, uh, a lot of media tries to get me to sympathize with villains. And, like, I think it's different from being like, oh, you know, he has the right thought process but the wrong actions. And being like, uh, when they try to get me to sympathize, they're like, oh, he's a, he got bullied as a child. Like, so did I. What, what does that really mean? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go through and kill a bunch of people because one kid made me really sad when I was a kid. You can get over it. To- Fast forward back to a conversation from three podcasts ago. One of the things that I wish the new Aladdin expanded more on that they only mentioned briefly was that Jafar and Aladdin were basically cut from the same cloth. They were both street rats. One went on an evil path and one didn't. And that I like, that balance. So if if you do that storyline that they're evil because of bullying, you have to have someone who is the same from it to do it. Uh, I'm, in a lot of ways. I'm tired of like people trying to give me some stuff. I'm not gonna because you're just, you... I'm not going to sympathize with Kylo Ren. Yeah, he had problems with his parents. So do a lot of people. That doesn't mean anything. Like, I'm just... I'm not going to sympathize with him. I sympathize with Kylo Ren, but it's not because of what his what happens. Because of eventually doing the right thing. You know, eventually coming through. That he has every chance and he keeps throwing it away. And keeps throwing it away. But he keeps getting it. He's honestly a good representation of white privilege. Who, you are, who you're related to. Or even just privilege in general. Who you're related to. This color of your skin gets you more and more opportunities. Yeah, and you keep right. being like, ooh, this opportunity to do good or blow up this planet. 
the planet it is. Planet. Help people that I like or kill everyone. <laughs> and he keeps going that way and keeps going, but keeps getting a chance to come back. Because that is a message of Star Wars always is you always have a chance to come back. Which is a good message. As long as you're Ray giving... should have cut off his head. Full dark ray. <laughs> I stand by that. Nobody else agrees with me, but I would have liked to see that. That's fair. Uh, but I think... Full dark ray. I do like, and and this comes to a a lot of discussions that Christina and I have had and talked about, is I think this is where, unfortunately, the Joker discourse has changed. Is, and and not to say that there hadn't been stories where the Joker was sympathized uh, about and things like that. Look, Killing Joke is a very sympathetical graphic novel towards the Joker. It's also Yes. But it wants to show you his backstory. It says, see, he's there, you know, sympathetic, you know, yeah, yes. I will not excuse it, though. I don't care I about I know, but it's trying to. But it's trying to say, it's showing all these actions and it's letting it. And then the movie's like, you know what? We're going to make you a little more sympathetic to Batgirl because she's sleeping with Batman. And we're like, why? Also, that I movie hate is... That. I hate that. Because every, like, in all the Batgirl comics that I have, and I have a lot of different iterations of Batgirl comics, um, and obviously I don't have them all, but I have a lot of different ones. Um, and, like, he often, he takes college girls like he takes them when they're in college he takes them when they're young so that way he can train them and help them and like the idea that he's like sleeping like 40 year old batman it is makes him very like, predatory it, uh, yeah. it's creepy the, and I the don't killing like joke it. movie is it, it, it's like hey you we've heard you all these problematic things about the comic how about we put new problematic <laughs> things in it <laughs> you want it to get worse <laughs> and honestly like i was actually excited for that movie simply because it was like that was like oh because they got, obviously Mark Hamill was coming back as the joke, yeah. and I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool, and I want it, and a lot of the movie, I'm like, well, it's well made, but I'm not feeling good about <laughs> this movie, like, I don't know, and the comic, when I first read it, I was like, well, whatever, and then I was like, as, I, as people were explaining, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that is, oof, yeah, oh, that's problematic, that's a, that's a problem, I don't like that, oof, I don't like that, um, so, the Joker obviously has had sympathetic comics to him. But he all. But a lot of the time, he still stayed the Joker. You have, as I said, the animated series or even Justice League have had episodes where you kind of, you while you're not sympathetic towards him, he's not just pure chaos. You know, you get a little bit here and there on things like that. But he always still comes back to the what he is, evil. Right. And that comes there. And uh, where this changed, or at least where I feel like it changed, at least in my mind. Obviously, people can probably point to other comics and be like, hey, look, it was this way and this way and this way. But I feel like a real tipping point for this, the Joker is when Joker hit full mainstream, and that's Dark Knight. Is I think Heath Ledger's Joker and the way they inter- per- interpretate the Joker in Dark Knight is the perfect interpretation of the Joker. That is exactly who the Joker is in my mind. Chaos, who believes that he can infiltrate and make anyone evil just by doing whatever he wants. Uh, And people got a lot of that, but they started idolizing him because, you know, there's things like, oh, he idolizes him because maybe he takes down some cops. Okay, that doesn't mean we idolize him. Oh, because he's proving these sort of things. No, he's do... Do you not see what he's doing? Yes, he's he's, he's doing the right thing to manipulate you because he's a abuser. He's a manipulator. And uh, it always highlights is, is... any of, any of the Joker's stories or talking about how he got these scars, right? any of them would be sympathetic. Oh, yeah, your dad beat you and put a kitchen knife to your mom. But he tells a different one, a different story every time. Right. Um, 
to bring it back to the DC streaming service and Harley Quinn because we talk about that a lot. DC it's, streaming service, best streaming service. Yeah, it's it's not a podcast if we're not talking about that. Um, so there's an episode in Harley Quinn where it's like a flashback episode of sort. It's where they meet the uh, normalized version of the Joker in uh, the first time we see him in season two. And so um, they're remembering, Harley Quinn's remembering when she first became a therapist at Arkham Asylum. Like, she'd been a therapist for a while, and she wrote a paper on the Joker and, like, theorized about him. And then she got brought in to talk to him because he, like, put a bomb somewhere. And she, her goal was to find out where, she, where he put the bomb. And so uh, he gives her this backstory about, like, why he's so messed up. And um, he, t- he has this name for his fair, and I can't remember the name. It was Mr. Something, but Mr. Something was his fair, and he loved his fair, and it was the only thing he had ever loved because it was just he was so close with his fair. His mom was a dick and always absent, and his dad was also a dick and beat him a lot. So then one day, his mom is out on a business trip like normal, and he walks into his uh, father's bedroom to see him sleeping with the maid. His dad sees him, yells at him, young Joker runs away. Well, later, he goes to school the next day, comes back, and his Mr. Something is gone. And he finds out that his dad had killed Mr. Ferret. And he actually waits, and I think his dad kills Mr. Ferret in front of him. Well, then, um, Harley is telling the story years later. Harley's telling the story to Ivy. And Ivy's like, um, that's not his story. That is mine. Mr. Something was a plant that my dad killed because he was a dick. And plants were the only things that I could relate to because I couldn't relate to humans. He killed my plant when I saw him sleeping with someone that wasn't my mom. And so, like, yeah, Joker totally got Harley to sympathize with her by telling a story that wasn't his and at it's, all. And it's, it's, that's classic abuser. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's classic, right. And that's, that's where the Joker uh, conversation, but I feel like the Joker became idolized. Like, I have a Joker shirt. I have Joker posters. But not because I idolized him because I thought it was cool. Like, he was cool. Right. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to be the Joker. It's like, ah. Oh, you know, There's what? a difference between, like, I like, the, like, we're talking about the Thanos annual. I like the Thanos annual, and I like the stories, but at no point am I going to be like, oh, yes, I want to be Thanos. Mm-hmm. And from that point, it seems like, from the Dark Knight, it seems like that's where the Joker discourse changed, and it went more to trying to sympathize him, because people were like, all the merch and everything that was bought for the Joker and everything was there, it's like, ooh, people really like this guy. We need to make sure it, and it... I, I think, always get concerned when I hear boys talking and they're like, I'm looking for the Harley Quinn of my Joker. And I'm like, I hope no girl ever approaches you. Yeah. Or when I hear girls like, I'm looking for the Joker to my Harley Quinn. And I'm like, ma'am, seek some help. You don't Like, you don't want this. It's a circle of abuse. <laughs> yes, it is not good. Cycle of abuse. No, so, it yeah. is not. Yeah. It is not something And I'm like, okay, idolize. so you're looking for somebody to abuse. Neat. Uh, we need help uh, yeah. from you. Uh, get away. I hope uh, no girl ever approaches you. Uh, but... And I think that discourse changed a lot of it, uh, the way we've seen the Joker, and so much so that we got the Joker movie, which tries its best throughout of all to, it's the most woke movie in the aspect is it's woke on everything. Any person that says they're wo- woke on something, it's like, yeah, that, yeah, even though they contradict half the time, they're like, yeah, it's eat not- the rich, <laughs> f*** the rich, like, <laughs> It feels, yeah, that movie feels like it doesn't know what it's actually trying to send its message on or what it's trying to take a stand on, and that's the biggest problem. And I um, think, and I think the, uh, I, I think that. that overall, um, I think that overall Joker, Joker talk, it's changed, made that character change in a lot of interpretations, so... 
to go back to a Harley Quinn, these dreams are, it's great that they've, with that and Birds of Prey, the both those that they've kind of more, and the comics have more tried to separate them a bit. Right. Uh, because it allows then you to, to separate some of that ick <laughs> right. that exists and, and allow you to tell better stories. And I think the way that we perceive villains, because the way we've been trying, and, and don't get me wrong, media's always trying to give us a reason to, to at least listen to the villain or to hear right. the villain and hear the things like that. Uh, because it is easy to tell an oppressed person's story from the villain's perspective. That's one of the easier ways to tell a story because heroes right. are harder to write than villains. Yeah. They're quite a bit harder to write. It's why, you know, why in The Dark Knight, does anybody consistently doesn't, do they talk, do they talk about how great Christian Bale plays both Batman and Bruce Wayne and that it's very hard to play the straight edge that he has to play in those and he does a great job? No, all we hear about is Heath Ledger's crazy Joker, even though they both were fantastic in that movie. Uh, so I think it, it's one of those where we just got a perception of villains that is very different, and we've seen it. Ex the MCU kind of has tried to give us more sympathetic villains uh, at times. Not always. Uh, sometimes there's just villains with that are as deep as a cardboard uh, cutout. Happens. Thor: The Dark World. Um, <laughs> I've blocked most of that movie from my memory. <laughs> uh, but I think we have. Uh, the ability to actually listen to a villain's side and not take his side. Yes. But the problem is, I think the way the media has portrayed it is now then when you see somebody bad in real life or somebody doing something bad in real life, you're like, what happened to his childhood that made him that way? And things like I that. I think it's one thing if you want to like learn about like why, and it's an entirely another mm -hmm. if you're like, oh... He uh, like you're like oh he's bullied and so that's why he did this and it's like oh he's bullied so we should take pity on him and excuse what he did instead I think of condemning big, his yeah, actions. There's in a it. very big difference. It's like oh well you see maybe that you know a lot of people who are doing this one thing are bullying so maybe you know try and go more against bullying in, in schools because I can tell you straight up schools don't do dick about bullied and mm -hmm. people who are being bullied and bullies in general like oh, they yeah. are bullying's awful. a tremendous problem they might say they have like a no tolerance policy but that's a freaking lie I will tell you straight up oh I know um like you know, if you if you want to look at this and be like, oh, maybe there's a common problem, like these serial killers, let's see if there's maybe a common thread here, and then we can address that thread. But then it turns into, instead of doing that, a lot of people turn it into, oh, let's look at this common thing, and that means we should take pity on them. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, that is not, that is not. One of my favorite villains. You just should not want to the Columbine shooters. If you do, please seek help. Ted Bundy. The Boston Bomber and all. Hey, if you want to f any serial killer, please seek help. Like, sir, ma'am, non-binary person. I don't know. You, you obviously got some issues happening. The um, there's a uh, at the end of the game, Kingdom Hearts three. You have to go through all the villains, all the bad guys, all at once, basically at uh, different times. And, and as they, as they, as you kill them or you them, they give like a speech. You're talking about all. I'm like, Ugh. and they're talking about a lot of them are all like, you know, you have, try to pity. There's one character who, uh, when you beat him, he goes, I like being bad. <laughs> like, he's just, he's just like darkness boy. He's like, I like the darkness. I do it for fun. <laughs> and I like that element of it because there are just people who do things. To do bad things. Right. They don't have to be bullied or don't have to be put in a situation. Yes, there are people that, when a bad thing happens, uh, take the wrong path. Right. Uh, I think uh, uh, in in the good place in the first season, even though it's fake, uh, and it, but when you meet real Eleanor Shellstrop and, and uh, fake Eleanor is like, 
you know, I was I had a bad childhood. You know, my parents, my you know, parents things like that. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I was left in a dumpster. You know, I was left in a fire and raised. And, then, and my adopted parents died, died when, when I was, was nine. Yeah. yeah. And like turned out to this great person. It's like that balance is we can rise, we can rise above it for our evil actions, things right. like that. That does not mean that it is also the battle of nature versus nurture in a lot of it. And uh, anytime anybody's asked me or asked the question, what do you think, nature versus nurture? My answer has always been. Both? Both. It is It is a thing of both because, like... You both it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think um, one example I think of nature versus nurture is people are always like, well, what's the difference between you and your brother? Because that'll show nature versus nurture because well, you're treated the same where you like. Well, and that's the thing is, like, we... Yes, we both grew up in the same environment. Um, we're really close in age, so we grew up in relatively the same environment. We went to the same schools, but it is going to be two different things because, one, our parents treated us like two different people, and like, so the nature there is different. But also, like, yeah, we both got bullied. We had the same parents. We both, our parents were strict. But, like, you know, look at the way we turned out. We are two very different people. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what I was, I, that's, people tend to bring that up a lot with nature versus nurture. They're like, look at two siblings. And I'm like, well, I, it's still going to be an element of both there because, like, my, my dad, my parents had their favorites. They may not have said it, but you could always tell my mom favored my brother when we were younger and my dad favored me. And that, that happens and a lot. Happen. That's why you have mama's boys and daddy's girls. Yeah. Like, that happens yeah. a lot. Like, that just... Say, but you can always like there's still the nature versus nurture. Yeah, like, there's still it, in both of them. Everyone's like, going to take element of both in there. Everyone's going to take uh, an event happening to them and do something slightly different. Usually, right. and it's not going to balance on everything. So someone bullied might rise up to try to uh, stop bullying, and someone else bullied might go home and and honestly de- plot their death. My brother and I both got bullied for being gay when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Now neither of us knew we were gay. My brother's not gay. Um, and so he became very homophobic for a while. He's trying to learn and do better now. But, like, for a long time, he was super homophobic. And then me, I tried to be accepting to everyone. And I tried to make everyone feel different than the way I had been made to feel. And there's just, you know, we're going to respond to things differently. Yeah. And so that's one where it's like, it's just, it's, it's a line that has to be drawn, especially when you're creating your villain. And you're you're being a line drawn that um, is careful yes. because uh, it's okay to want somebody to sympathize with the villain, but you have to be able to draw that line to be not sympathize with the actions. Right, and it is very hard to do, and not every and it's also on us as watchers of the media or readers or whatever we're we're seeing this villain in to not to be able to see that line because. When I watch Avengers Infinity War, I never think Thanos is right. Right. I sympathize with a lot of the Thanos stuff. And I'm like, you know, you know, but I never, I never am like, oh yeah, Thanos is right. I'm like, if your idea is, wow, we have hunger and overpopulation problems, kill half the population. Sorry. Immediately. I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, you're, I'm like, oh, you lost me. Nope. Nope. No. You've lost me. There are other ways to go. Yeah. Like, like it's like, you gotta understand the actions. Right. Um, I think a good media that does a good way of showing that and like drawing the line between sympathizing with um, the past and, and not sympathizing with the actions is Avatar The Last Airbender. Agreed. Um, because Zuko, he, you know, he was 13 and his dad challenged him to an Agnikai, which is like just a brawl, a firebending brawl. Um, and like, you know, totally scars this 13 year old kid. He's this powerful firebender. He's a grown adult, scars this tiny child and banishes him all because he spoke out of turn. 
Um, and it's like, okay, yes, that was terrible. And we are led to sympathize with that. But we are also led, and like he shows it, you know, we are not to sympathize with his actions. You know, yes, he was treated terribly, but he could have gone better with the way he did it afterwards. <laughs> and like he even says it later. He's like, my actions are not excused, but what you did to me is not excusable either. I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it, they do a very good way of showing that, of sympathizing with his past, but not sympathizing with his actions and what he did. I think... Um... I'm going to bring up Star Wars here, but I think uh, one of the good ways to look at this is George Lucas actually did a very good job with this, is look at Anakin versus Luke in this yes. element. And uh, in specific instances, when Palpatine says, do it for either of them, at the point where Anakin's sitting there with Dooku kneeling down, both arms cut off and chances, I shouldn't be killing him. And Palpatine tells him to do it, he does it, and that seals his fate towards the dark side of it. Right. When Luke has the opportunity with Vader at the end, and he's sitting there with his lightsaber, and he's looking down at it, and his anger is welling just like that, everything there, and Palpatine's telling him to do it, and he throws his sword away. It's when we can look, and basically say, no, I'm not going to continue this cycle. Right. uh, So, there you can sympathize with it. You're like, yeah, this guy is an awful person. This is a, you know, you're a terrible person, things like that. But no, I'm not going to continue this. I'm not going to follow down this path. Right. Uh, and so, but I don't think people get that message all the time. <laughs> uh, and that's that's a problem, I think, in a lot of media when, when we consume it. Is I don't think people understand that all the time. Yes. Uh, they Just the tendency to idolize villains and their actions mm-hmm. is what tends to bother me the most. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I don't idolize characters. Like, I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, like, especially, like, for me, Captain America and Wonder Woman were two of my favorite characters when I was a kid. And I, like, wanted to be exactly like them. And, like... I mean, um, Christina's the one that's really wanting a relationship between Wonder Woman and Cheetah in the next movie. The bad guy. I didn't say Cheetah. I just said I wanted... I, wanted I know. To say, I want them to show her bisexual side. Like, I... You know, we've got Steve Trevor. It'd be nice to show her with a woman. Especially because it'd be the first um, lead gay superhero in a movie. Like, the title character being mm-hmm. gay. In a big movie, you know, on the big screen, like, this would be tremendous strides. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I don't think they're going to do it, but... There's going to... I don't know if they're actually going to do it, but there's going to... De- you just watch the beginning of that trailer. Kristen Wiig and Gal Gadot oh, are she, into each other. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> and you don't... I feel like the you most don't we're going to get is subtext. You don't cast Kristen Wiig if you don't want to have a character who has subtle gay vibes. Yeah. Fair. Everything she's ever in. Ocean's Eight. I was like, dang, this, this. There's a lot of queer vibes in that movie, uh, but uh, like her character, especially. Uh, even like bridesmaids and things like that. You know, even when she's playing, you know, very straight characters. There's always a. Uh, I would probably leave them for you at any point. You know, <laughs> uh, that she plays in a lot of her roles. Ghostbusters. Like, oh was- god, everyone's gay in that movie. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Kate McKinnon's character, definitely gay. Oh, for sure gay. The only one that's not gay is Chris Hemsworth's character. I would no, say he's everyone's gay. got some queer... He's oh, gay. really? Okay, I fair would, I, Yeah, he's... He's, <laughs> he's playing the gay himbo. <laughs> gay himbo. Valid. He is a himbo. Oh, unbelievably that. so. The glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen. Okay. <laughs> but he doesn't have lenses. And they're like, what? He was like, they got dirty. If that movie had a good third act, that movie would have been good. Oh, for That sure. third act is just really bad. It is a bad third act. And, I mean, everyone trying to be the funny man is a problem as well. Yeah. It doesn't deserve the hate it always gets, no. but it also, it's a movie that I, I, I when I've watched, every time I watch it, I go, man, this was a missed opportunity to be something special. Yeah. 
uh, and where they could have literally just thrown it at the people hating it for just being women and be like, boom, we hit this. And now we're just like, well, you made a movie. Um, yeah. Um, but <laughs> how we got from villains to Ghostbusters is one of my favorite things. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think... And obviously for you, and you know, I know we've had this discussion, that you see a lot of times villains are coded gay. Yes. A lot of times. Uh, and it's not necessarily even a bad thing that your villain is gay. Like, that's not necessarily, but the, because... No, when they're, when it's only the villains who exactly. are coded gay, that's when that's it's when it's the problem. Thing. And that's the same, because obviously there are bad people in the world that are gay. Well, yes. <laughs> so, like, it is, it's out there. But the problem is it's always, it's the only the villain. Yeah. Uh, a very good TV show, Mr. Robot. At least the first season is what I most of what I've watched. I've watched off and on some of the other ones. It's a confusing show, though. You would get lost. Sounds about You would right. get very lost. It's, yeah. Uh, but one of the early scenes, the guy, the bad guy, immediately you find out is gay. And it's like, okay, they've coded that very quickly. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I know why a lot of times villains were coded gay is because they wanted to be like, oh, we need to, you know, a lot of them was like, oh, we need to make sure people don't. Right. Actually sympathize. They don't want you to in, sympathize with that character. Right. Well, and in a lot of ch children's media, uh, characters are coded gay, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you don't want to be this, kids. And there's, like, mm -hmm. tons of media where it's like, um, mm -hmm. for a while there was actually a rule in TV, and I forget the name of the rule, but there was a rule that if you were going to show a gay character, they either had to die or have a not happy ending, like, so that way they could show to audiences, this is not what you want to become. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, one of the biggest gay-coded uh, characters for children, it would be Shigo in Kim Possible. She is so gay. Oh, yeah, she's very uh, gay. She's very gay, but she's, like, this big villain. And don't get me wrong, I love Shigo, but it's, like, one of those things, and Disney's very, especially in the early 2000s, there's a lot of gay bashing jokes, and they're, like, they're not soup, they're not, like, community-level gay bashing jokes, but they're still there. And, like, it's just one of those things that I'm, like, uh Um, but, yeah. Like, they're just trying to show you, they're, like, kids, this is not what you want to be. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's one of those things where, like, when you get older, you're like, ah, love it, <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah. And still people are like, no, we love them. <laughs> there are a lot of Ursula stands out there. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That woman is very coded gay. Uh, she was modeled after a drag queen. Yep. Yep. <sighs> yep. <laughs> I think... I think villains are harder to write than heroes, but I also, I've said there, villains are easier to play than heroes. It's why a lot of people love the opportunity to play the villain, or eventually if they're, you know, done, you know, like, oh, this would be a good time to be the villain, you know, and things like that. You see a lot of actors step into that. That's their, their step into uh, Oscar material a lot of times, or the different roles of, ooh, I'm going to be the villain. Um, because it is, I think, a little, e it's easier to play bad than it is to play straight-faced good. Fair. Um, but it's also harder to write villains, especially if you're when you're trying to toe that line. Uh, and I've mentioned the MCU here a couple of times, but so they, I want to know why you think it's easier to play bad. Like I just want to hear because it's it's easier to play. Easier to be it's good. easier to play crazy. It's why Johnny Depp okay. is good because you, you you just have to you just have to be weird and out there and off the kilter. It's why Jesse Eisenberg playing Lex Luthor, he just had to be a little odd and quirky and things Fair like enough. that. It's easier to play the villain because that's how it's played. To play the straight-faced on it, you actually have to act because it's harder to play that believably. Fair enough. Uh, it, you know, you, you can, you know, why has Adam Sandler done mostly weird off-the-kilter characters compared to... Because it's uh, straight, <laughs> uh, Faced, you know, because... 
Because it is easier. It is easier. And, but it is, it is easier, but it is perceived by people as harder. Johnny Depp, what a great actor. He jumped into this makeup and just did his weird role. And it's like, any, it's not to say anybody can. kind of the same. Yeah, but because <laughs> they all are a little different, he's weird. Oh, look at these great things. And again, not necessarily bashing Johnny Depp's no. acting because he is a good actor. And yeah. He's done a lot of good things. But those sort of, he did a lot of the same type of roles. But everyone was like, oh, what great range this person has. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, that's not that. Whereas like I would fight a lot of people. I'm like, people are like, yeah. Tom Cruise can't act at all. I'm like, no, Tom Cruise is actually a really good actor. He just, he had, and he, again, he doesn't have a ton of range, so I'm not going to also put in that. Right. That thing. But at the same point, it's like, he's playing the straight-faced guy all the time, a lot of times. And when he breaks out the, the comedic jokes and things like that, they're like, Tom Cruise is the greatest ever. Uh, you know, his comeback started in Tropic Thunder. Uh, Fair enough. And so it is easier to play quirky than it is to play straight-faced. Yeah, that's right. I think you can still be, like, um, good and quirky without being, like... Because uh-huh. I think a lot of people are, like, to be good, you have to be serious. And it's, like, no, not necessarily. You just... If you're going to play a good character... Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably more on writing than any... More in the mm-hmm. writing than anything. But if you're going to play a good character, you know, you just got to be kind. And, like, if you want to show them reacting to tragedy, maybe show them visibly sad. Not just visibly, like, you know, not just going about trying to fix it. But show them, like, heartbroken that this thing happened. And show them smiling when they can make someone else smile. Like, I feel like um, a lot of good characters they're just you know they are just straight face serious all mm-hmm. the time and i think that's boring sometimes but like i mean look <laughs> we've mocked like people have mocked keanu reeves's acting in the past and things like that because he plays the same sort of like the the straight face right. a, lot of, a lot of his action movies are that those sort of things but when he got off a little quirkier and weirder they're like look at his acting and it's like so that is is one where we look at we're like that's acting but a lot of that's people who maybe haven't acted or things right. like that and they're like Look at that right there. That it is quite as someone who has poorly acted in films. It is easier to be weirder or villainous. It's a lot harder to be the hero in it because you have to play it a different ways and things like that. Which is again why I think Christian Bale is so good in Dark Knight because he has to play the counter to Heath Ledger's Joker, right. and he he does it. Uh, and now also that he has to. Do. Aaron Eckhart's fantastic performance is Two-Face. So, like... And it's why I think a lot of times with female characters in those movies, they get all the hate. Katie Holmes got all the hate for being awful in Batman Begins. She's not good. I wouldn't call her a great role and things like that. She's very wooden at times. But it's not, like... Other male characters have done the side characters just wooden, and they don't get the hate on it because... I think sometimes when it comes to female characters getting hate and female actors getting hate, is it's like, is it the actress playing her as that or is it the way she's written? Because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have a, like, like side characters, you know, they don't get a lot of depth. So they're just like this basic one thing. And yeah, you're like, oh, she's nothing but this. In Katie that's Holmes what she's sake, written as. In Holmes' sake, it's some acting, but it is a lot. One of Christopher Nolan, again, I love Christopher Nolan. His Memento is my all-time favorite movie. In my top 30 movies, I think four Christopher Nolan movies there. So anybody who hears this and goes, oh, Christopher Nolan hate, how dare you? Because internet fanboys love him. (laughs) Christopher Nolan has some big flaws in in, in his writing style. And one of them is he is really bad at writing women. He is really bad at writing women. Uh, Katie Holmes in Batman Begins, part of it is because he is not good with it. Ellen Page in Inception is, is, is written in a way that... People are like, oh, what bad acting? I'm like, no, Ellen Page is a fantastic actress. She's fantastic, but she's not written well in that movie uh, and not given a lot of it. She does a lot with it. Um, one of his best 
female actors to come through. Scarlett Johansson in The Prestige. Also, Carrie Ann Moss in, uh, uh, in Memento is, ooh, is so good. Uh, she was fresh off The Matrix at that point. So. Okay. Uh, but a- actresses have had to rise above for Christopher Nolan's writing because he doesn't write women very well. Because he doesn't write emotion very well. Right. And a lot of time, a lot of, especially in writing, you have emotional scenes with women who have poor writing about emotion and you get Katie Holmes talking about swimming <laughs> and it's just not well done. And, and, and Batman Begins, Katie Holmes is not great in that movie. There's a reason they replaced her with Maggie Gyllenhaal in Dark Knight <laughs> because <laughs> she was not good <laughs> and she didn't want to come back. I mean, that's and a lot right. of others, but <laughs> I, um, but I think a lot of times why women get a lot of the hate in those sort of roles sometimes because they aren't asked to be the quirky one. Right. Uh, they aren't asked. You got to be the straight face. You got to do the harder acting, which it's hard to come through on a lot of times, especially if the writing isn't as good. Natalie Portman is a fantastic actress. Oh, she's a wonderful actress. She's awful in The Dark World. Awful in oh, Thor The Dark World. Yeah, no. That's she's also, there's she's no also not particularly great in Thor either. She's not great in either of the Thor movies. Yeah. Part of it's the writing, but a lot of it also is she's asked to do entirely straight moves so we don't forget we, we kind of look at that with a lot of things and it doesn't come off well because it's a lot harder she's the only like if you look at her companions in that Thor is quirky in the fact that he's an alien and, and he doesn't know they're like let's just look at the first because like I said I don't remember most of the Dark World I blocked it out of my memory um, so like let's just look at the first Thor Thor you know he's an alien coming to a human world he doesn't know anything so he's got his own quirkiness to it and then mm-hmm. her sidekick who I can't remember the character's name nor can I remember the actress's Kat name Dennings right is now the actress. yes um, she's a fun like she likes to play a lot of quirky characters and she's good at it and like yeah so she's quirky and she's funny in that and Natalie Portman is the only straight faced other mm-hmm. than the old man but and even him he has his moments she's the only one who's trying to be serious the entire time in mm-hmm. it so she seems like different than the others and it's yeah it's the it's the character Jane is supposed to be this serious woman mm-hmm. you know she's finding out that you know this is her life's work so she's trying to figure everything out um and yeah but yeah and again I saw it is she isn't written amazingly no uh, that movie is written with a very Shakespearean take on it uh, which I think as far as directors go, he's a good director. He's a very good director. He's done great things. I'm blanking on the name of him, but I know he's famous. He's British. He played. Uh, he played uh, Gil- uh, yeah, Gilroy Lockhart. Lockhart in, yeah, uh, in Harry, uh, and in I'm Harry blanking Potter. on his name. Not to mention Harry Potter on main because J.K. Rowling. Yikes. Yikes. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think uh, Kenneth Branagh. There we go, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, but I think uh, as far as women written a lot of times in superhero movies uh, because they're written in that straight faced, especially if they're the love interest a lot of the times. And the ones that really can stand above are given better writing, even if they still have the straight faced. So yeah, to, to go back to your original point, I do think a lot of the writing affects it. And it's why a lot of times we perceive the way they play that as bad acting right. more than bad writing or Some things like that. Some men just don't know how to write Ruben. And like, you always see it in like, so... One of my favorite things about book is that if it's a book written by a man and there's something that is really just off about women, especially women anatomy, is a woman reading it will read it and be like, what the fuck is this? And then post it online. One of my favorites is I don't know what book it's from. I don't want to know. I don't know who the fuck wrote it either. Um, But she basically, the scene is... um, 
there's like two people talking outside of a bathroom door and it goes she overheard this of course because she'd been on the bathroom for quite some minutes waiting for the pee to come out men they have the power where they can just stand over the toilet bowl and lordly splash their pee down onto the porcelain bowl but women the pee gets lost in their confusing maze of a body and it takes them some minutes to come out like it's legit written like that like i'm not exaggerating that is legit how it is written i have no idea what it's from i don't know who wrote it but i'm just like yikes and i read something today um it's probably more on the inappropriate side but it was like i was like do you did you not take an anatomy class do you what kind of sex education did you get because it's not good this is the tangent off even if they took an anatomy class they might have not learned it because you know most things they're studying men's bodies most of the time okay yeah but do you not know that vaginas have openings <laughs> they might not <laughs> like that was the thing is it was like this mildly inappropriate i'm so sorry um but it was like there's anything super it was inappropriate passage, I'll bleep it. <laughs> okay it's a passage from a book i don't know a book i don't know who read it but he was like it was a smart passage so that's why i'm like it's inappropriate um basically he like put his hand down and then he was like he smiled because he didn't feel an opening meaning she was pure and untouched and i was like that is not how anatomy works what do you think you're just gonna rip through because yikes <laughs> like, okay yeah you would if you took an anatomy class you would have known that not yeah, even like, on those. you were going to know oh uh, i mean famous you know and it's just the way you, you know, we talked about this when we talked about justice league uh, versus wonder woman uh, on the way the camera was yeah. shot and things like that. So it's obviously... And it doesn't mean that, oh, a man can't shoot this right or a man can't re- write, write this correctly. But a lot of times they don't take the effort to actually no. do It's whatever perceived in theirs to well, do all Some this. men just can't write women. That's fair. Because they haven't taken the time to actually right. think about it or listen about it or think about women it. Women don't have openings, okay? Ah! I just... I saw that this morning and I was like, What? The actual, just what? Uh, the, oh um, my god! Uh, I spent like ten minutes being like, "Yo!" Frank Baum, who wrote the <laughs> Wizard of Oz books, which twisted books, loved them as kids. Uh, but something that always stuck out to me is just the amount of times he uses the word bosom. I've always hated that word. It is such a weird I mean, word. It's a it's a slightly older word. Yeah, you know, it definitely feels like an old yeah. lady word. But the amount of times said, uh, said that, and even as a kid, like being like, that's a weird word to keep saying over and over and over again in your children's book. But just male authors talk a lot, like randomly about women's breasts, and I'm like, this is unnecessary. Stephen King. Okay, uh, personally, I'm not a fan of Stephen King. I can respect what he has done because he has made a lot of money and he's, like, built himself sort of an empire. When you've written that many books, you have to be yes. at least somewhat talented. Yes. I can respect what he has built um, and, like, what he has done for himself. But I do not like his writing. And I, I don't. You have uh, that I right think, to opinion. Yeah. I th- <laughs> he doesn't write women well. There's a lot of unnecessary sex scenes. Like, that. Just, I don't understand the point of them. And, like, I know <laughs> you're not supposed to read sex. Like, when you're reading... Um, books you're not supposed to read sex as sex you're supposed to read into it but i cannot think of a single reason why there's four pages of children doing each other in the sewers and it and he gave a reason for it it was so that way they ed lost his navigation skills and the only way they could figure it out was if they if they all did beverly in the sewers at 10 years old 10 11 years old however old they are or were. this is after they've already defeated Pennywise. Oh, and it's like why is this i cannot it was four pages long 
I cannot think of a single reason why that is necessary. Like I said, I respect what Stephen King has built for himself, but he cannot write women. And the way he talks about women in his books, and the way he talks about people of color in his books, he's a big fan of the N-word, and he's a big fan of the Essler, and like, gay, like he, the way he talks about gay people, and the way he talks, like, I'm just like, I do not like his writing, and I'm just, it's so cringeworthy. Beyond cringeworthy. Have you, uh... From somebody uh, who is not necessarily always a good person, but has had good points. Have you ever watched the show Louie from Louis C.K.? No. Louis C.K., not the greatest of people. Uh, has come out with a lot of bad things. Uh, but there is an episode where uh, he's playing poker with uh, his friends, and one of them is a gay man. And someone uses the F word, you know, and, and things like that. And... Uh, and then the gay man goes off to say and explain why right. that. And it's a fantastic scene. Yeah. So I've, show, seen, I've seen the video of oh, that. Yeah, 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 I've seen yeah, that scene. Fantastic scene. scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, and again, it's actually a pretty good show. In hindsight, now that we know more about Louis C.K., I kind of go... Uh, I don't know anything about Louis C.K., so... He did things while women were forced to watch. Oh. That's at least the report of what they uh, explained. Okay. So again, like... A lot of things, and of course now he's, you know, he comes out a comic and he's a little transphobic, and by that, you know, a lot of comics are, so. Uh, but that scene is really well done, and it gets the point off incredibly well what that means to somebody uh, uh, who is, is, is gay, and that is, I said, I would recommend that scene even if I wouldn't always recommend the show. Right. Uh, but I think writing is... It's super important anytime you're writing to know what you're writing about. And this is why when there's calls for diversity in writing rooms, it's not because they're saying, hey, well, I mean, someone's saying, you know, everyone deserves a shot or it needs other things. Like a lot of it is, hey, to be seen and understood, somebody who has actually done and gone through these things needs to write or at least be in the room writing with it. Because, yeah, there's mm-hmm. some like... If you're going to write a character, and I think you should always try and like have your characters be diverse, but also you need to understand if you are writing them in a racist, homophobic, or anti-Semitic way, or mm-hmm. sexist way. Like, are you giving your female characters as much depth as you're giving your male characters? Are you sticking your black characters into stereotypes, especially mm-hmm. harmful stereotypes? Are you making all of your gay men... Um, you know, with, like, the high, you know, just high-flaming gay men. Are you making are you making them, like, you know, actual diverse? And are you actually looking into this and writing it well? Or are you sticking to t- harm, sometimes harmful stereotypes? And are you just being harmful in general? That's true. That is true. Did you watch the movie Isn't It Romantic? Don't think so. Okay, well, it has Rebel Wilson and her uh, landlord, I think it is, he, he's, he's gay. But in her original, because she gets hit and she wakes up in a romantic comedy, basically is what it is, and everyone's happy and things like that. And when she, she doesn't know he's gay in her real life. But when she comes to the random, he's a cliched, uh, you know, stereotypical, all those sort of things. And there was some, there was a lot of backlash. People were like, why would you do that? And the director, who is playing that character and is a gay man, he goes, "That's the point." <laughs> he's like, "I did that so you could see the." point right <laughs> do you not understand subtlety in this so i was uh, i found that really funny because i i remember reading because of the backlash and i was like oh okay whatever that watched it and i was like that's the backlash like 
the point was in romantic comedies, it's always the quirky gay best friend. Right. And it's not always that way. <laughs> so, but, yeah, reading up on who, who or whatever you're writing about, but also talking and including people in on, right. on your writing is very important. Yes. So, if, like, if I were to sit down and I were to write a novel, it would be an awful novel, but if I were to sit down and I were to write a novel and it were to be entirely a lesbian romance... Probably, if I had not talked to any lesbians or spent time letting them read or proof, if I didn't have my proofreaders as people who have experienced what I'm talking about, oh God, I don't guess what? Know. A lot of my story would probably not resonate with lesbians because I, a straight white man, probably don't understand anything when it comes to that. What I have learned through that, I've learned through people who I've talked to. Right. And so when I write the characters and things like that. So like, for example, in, in Star Wars Aftermath, it was, it's not a great written book. Uh, Chuck, Wendig, Chuck Wendig wrote it and it included a gay character, a couple gay characters and things like that. Chuck Wendig straight and things like that. And it's not that they're written poorly, but to then be, like, touted as this huge, diverse thing. It's like, what well, you, you threw some gay characters in there. Like, right. good for you. Great. But they're not the main, and you didn't, like, you didn't have one. You're just doing it for... And that is where the claim for doing it just for diversity's sake actually does kind of exist. If it's somebody who is, you know, the norm... Performative activism. Exactly. Is, is you're doing the right thing by including the characters, but if you're not talking with actual uh, people of color... Uh, minorities, people not of your same sexual orientation or your same gender. Like, if you're not talking to them when you're writing them, then you're not actually you, bringing anything the to the The best table. thing you are going to write is going to be characters like you. So if you are going to... You should have... You should not just be writing characters like you. You shouldn't pigeonhole yourself like that. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to write other characters, you need to be sure you're talking to people like... You know, I, I'm not great at writing male characters. I'm great at writing women and lesbians specifically. Um, I can write, okay, straight women. Um, but, like, lesbians, I'm great at writing because, surprise, surprise, that's what I know. Um, so, like, if I'm, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I want to write, like, a straight cis male who grew up with a religious background. Talk to Sean because yeah. he did. And, like, I could get his ideas and I could get his help. Because I know from my experience what I'd be best with writing, and I know what he might know more of than I would, because I don't have his experience. And I think that comes to, like, if you're writing something actually enough that needs to make sure the people that you're giving to proofread it and look there are actually people from those backgrounds as well. Right. And they can give you their input on it. Hey, am I writing this from a good yeah. place? Am if I I'm going to write a, a story with trans characters, you know, I'm going to go talk to trans people and I'm going to be like, hey, I'm trying to make sure I'm staying away from any harmful stereotypes. And I also want to make sure that I'm giving this character as much depth mm -hmm. as I'm giving my cis characters. Which is why, since writing rooms, while they're not, and writers, and we're getting things written by a lot of things, why we're asking more and more movies to cast the characters correctly and things right. like that. No more... Casting Scarlett Johansson as an Asian person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, doing that correctly. Because if the writers aren't going to be diverse, if the cast is at least, they can at least put their own on it. Right. And not, and they can bring experience. something yeah. more to it mm -hmm. than maybe... Which there was a very interesting really. thread that went around yesterday uh, that started. I don't remember the actor who started, but he did. Uh, he, he voiced... He was a white man who voiced a black character in a show. 
And he, he, he said, when I did, you know, I didn't think a whole lot about it. And now in hindsight and everything on that, I should have let that go. I should not have taken that role. And then people also called out a couple other people like uh, uh, Vanessa Marshall, uh, who voices has a voice on Star Wars Rebels. But she also voiced the black friend on Billy and Mandy. Mm. Uh, she's white. And she also said, she said, also came out and said, and said, you know what? I should have made given that role to somebody else, or I should have turned down that role because it was wrong to do it. And that's right. something there that we push on that. It's like, it's, I understand, I understand, especially in those smaller roles where it's like, man, I got a role. This might pay, put food on my table that you're like, I'm going to take that role. And seeing people being more willing and understanding to say, no, that was a mistake when I did right. that is progress. Yes. Uh, now the next progress is actually making sure those people get cast in those roles. Right. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we'll move more and more and more to it. Uh, and more and more media will portray those sort of things. Uh, so that we can, you know, we can see those things on it in an accurate representation of it. Uh, you know, we can have an uh, have a movie about a trans uh, trans man not played by Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> God, I hope that was gonna happen. Yeah, I know it was, and I was really mad about it because I remember um, when the article came out, came out during the day, and then I ended up meeting you at the theater for something that night at like 10 p.m. I got out of my car and I yelled at you across the parking lot, and I was like, I am so mad, and then I like went on a rant. Still, like as I walked across the parking lot to you at like 10 p.m. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. But we need we need voices of we need diverse voices. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in, on and, and off screen, I on, uh, and I think, and I've, we've talked before multiple times on it. Behind the screen is super important. Oh yes, and seeing more women directors, more black directors, uh, you know, even it's just different minds. You I mean you know Taika Waititi, you know, he's New Zealand, you know, yeah. you know that that is a different voice that comes in when they tell the stories that we see from that. It, it, you know, it doesn't always have to be. And this doesn't mean hey. It doesn't mean that white men can't write and direct no. movies. It does not mean that. I'm super excited for Christopher Nolan's next movie. You know, Tanet. I'm super excited for uh, uh, anything done by Quentin Tarantino. You know, personally, like, I like Edgar Wright. Scott yeah, Pilgrim Edgar is Wright one of my is fantastic. Films. Uh, you know, like, about, yeah, I like want to see Ryan Johnson. I love everything he does. Like, I just love the, these people. So. This is not a oh god, we can't get a real, but we just need to find a balance. There of needs it. to be more. There's so many white men get the role over others and like they just take away i think sometimes and especially if you're not writing it well i think we just need to give give more chance for others let the diverse stories be mm -hmm. told we need a good civil war movie where the southern general is the bad guy and not portrayed as the good guy when i realized that i mean i we may have a civil war discussion on one of these podcasts because I could talk for hours. That was my that was one of my childhood favorite things. And then when I went back and realized that I was I everything that I read was idolizing the South, and I was loving. I was like, ah! um, yeah, that's fair. So I was big into World War Two when I was a kid. So if we're gonna talk about civil war. You gotta give me some time to prep. That's fair. Um, but you know, I think we've we've I think every podcast we will probably say over and over again. Diversity is good. Yes. Diversity is good. A writer's room that, like on a TV show that has tons of different voices is okay. good. One Day at a Time. <laughs> Talked about that a little bit earlier. You need to watch it. Um, it's very good. It's a great show. They've got a lot of diversity in, in, their, in their, both in their characters and in their writers. And they talk about it 
off screen, like on Twitter, they're like, yeah, um, per season we try and get so many amount of diverse writers and directors mm-hmm. because we want to make everyone feel seen. And if we just, since it's about a Latinx family, if we just let in a bunch of white people, they're not going to tell the role. Especially if we let in a bunch of white men, like they're not going to tell these things properly. So, And even in shows where you're not even trying to say a statement on diversity or anything right. like that, it's also really great to see the different perceptives. Watch The Mandalorian Season 1. You have two episodes by a woman of Asian descent. I don't remember where Deborah Chow is from, so I apologize. I should probably have looked that up there. You have, uh, I cannot pronounce his name, but you have a, a, a black man. Uh, you have white, uh, you know, a white man, and then you have a white woman. All directed these episodes. And then Taika Waititi directed the final one. So you had all these people, and you get that it all was cohesive. It's not like, oh, if I put someone from a different race, we're not going to have a good shot film. No. Let people show their skills and and you got it. I mean, uh, you know, we don't need to just pigeonhole people into one certain thing or different thing. You know, we don't just say, well, you know, black people have Tyler Perry movies, so therefore, you know... They don't need to have whatever. No, that's not... I've heard that... uh, Have you seen... I've heard that reading. I'm just like... But I think diversity and more of it and... Allowing it to open more... Media is good. Let's see more stuff. It's not like, oh, it means they won't get... You know, those white men aren't going to get something. Or even... No, they're still going to get plenty of movies to direct. Right. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of movies come out in theaters every year. Well, not this year. But... um, Because pandemics and all. But you can always Look at how many streaming services there are. Yes. There are so many places, avenues. You can make movies everywhere. Yes. And I think if... There's, yeah, there's going to be no shortage of making, even just making your own short film, like, they are going to have those opportunities, and, like, I think a lot of small, more diverse creators go from short films, they start with short films, because sometimes that's all they can make, Mm because they're independent, and that's all that, like, Big Hollywood's not going to give them a chance. I believe that's how Ava DuVernay got her her start, I believe. I I could be wrong on her, I mean, I don't don't know what she did until she got to Selma, and then obviously she got Wrinkle in Time, and yep. she's done. Uh, now they see us on Netflix, and I think the thirteenth is a, is that a short? I think that's a short film yeah. on Netflix. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, she's done but a yeah. lot of you know well, very visually very visually stylized yeah. director. She's fantastic. Uh, uh, she's going to be doing a DC movie. I just don't remember what it is, which one it is. So mm. uh, something about gods, something with gods or whatever it is. But um, God or gods? Gods. Okay, because I was like, there's a difference. Um, we do. It said, yes. Diversity is important. On the basis. Yeah. A divorce. Yeah. Divorce. Diversity is important. <laughs> we need divorce. Um, no. But I it think. said we need more LGBT characters, not just white gay men. Yes. Um, okay. So I read a book a month ago or so, and it was called Color Outside the Lines, and it was a, a anthology. So it was a bunch of different short uh, stories, and it was written all by non-white people of different, like, descents, and, like, some of them were gay stories. Uh, they were all, like, love stories because the creator was, like, I'm tired of only seeing white uh, white love stories. So some of them were gay, some of them were straight, but then there was one where it was written... Oh, God, I can't remember his name. Adam Silvera. That's his name. Um, we're not great at names here on this no. podcast at all. The amount of times, ah, uh, that dude, <laughs> that, that lady, dude. that person. His name is Adam Silvera, I believe. Oh, I hope I'm not wrong. Um, I believe he's Hispanic. Um, I think he... I don't even want to say specifically what he is because I don't know. Um, but he, like, talks about it. And he, he, the character that he wrote, the main character in this anth- in his short story in this, is white passing. So he's, like, he picks up this uh, gay book. And it was, like, this 
just he found it in the store with the help of an employee and he didn't think that he was actually going to be able to find a gay book especially when the employee come and asked him and the employee i believe was um darker skinned i don't think they said a race but it was he was darker skinned and he was like i he even the main character though he was not white he was white passing and the main character said you know i don't think much about how it's easier for me to find even though it's hard for me to find characters that i relate to because there's not a lot of gay characters it's easier for me because there's still white gay characters. There's not characters that look like him. Mm-hmm. And so since this character, like the book cover had two men in like a passionate scene on the front cover, one being white passing or white and the other was not. And he was like, I don't think about that, but it must have been just as important for this employee to have this book as it was for me. And like, I just think that's an interesting, pers- like it is so true. Like, you know. Yeah. Anyways, that was my rant. <laughs> no, yeah, and I agree. I agree. Diversity good. Yes. That is what we will continue to state. Yeah. Also, that's a good book if anyone wants to check out that. Color Outside the Lines, a bunch of different writers because it's an anthology. Um, and there were some really interesting stories in that. So I was not sure how many tangents or where we were going to get from the Thanos <laughs> annual number one. We are an hour and 40 minutes in. Usually I try to cut this at an hour and 20 to less, so... That was a good tangent on that. Yeah. <laughs> Christina, where can they find you? You can find me at okay or whatever on Twitter.com, and you can always feel free to slide into my DMs and talk to me about any TV shows you want, diversity, anything you want. No feet pics, please. Sean always encourages it, but don't send me feet pics. Have you ever seen the college humor skit where uh, <laughs> they say diversity is so in? <laughs> so in their interview, diversity is so it. Do, do you think that diversity is like a fad? <laughs> <laughs> Some writers act it's, like that. It's really funny. Uh, <laughs> but. And you can find me at DarthShawn6311 <laughs> on Twitter.com. Send him the feet pics. <laughs> and I'll ignore them, but you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can find our Lesbro Twitter account, Lesbros Gaming, as well as our YouTube page. We did not post anything on the YouTube this week, and honestly, the Twitter account was kind of dark. Christina and I uh, posted a lot on our own pages this week, but... Uh, with all the stuff that's going on in the world, we made it very lighter this week. I wish, honestly, we could not post anything for weeks, but, uh, I'd like to build the channel, so we're still gonna be doing that, uh, but we still have everything that is going on in the world in our minds, uh, and it is important for everyone to be aware of what's happening. Aware, active, and participating. Hey, sign petitions. Donate. Donate if you can. Go to protest if you're able to. Do what you can out there. Uh, the world needs bright, shining stars. So yeah. be that. Be good. Help and others, please. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time.